Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to scintillating, tantalising and intriguing people from across the globe that inspire comedians like you and me to live this comedy journey on our own terms. Now today's guest is a real ballsy comic. He has balls probably about double the size of most comics. He started comedy when he was 14, when he was a little pup. I didn't. I was. I just finished playing Pokemon by that time, and he, he's a guy with many different stories, and he's going to be a person you absolutely love. Please welcome to stage, Nico White. Ah, family, thank you so much. If you happen to hear my microwave in the background, I apologize, but man's got to eat. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, it's 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 all the way from. 14 to now and like yeah 14 to 28 this uh, would, would you say that comedy has has been your life <laughs> uh yes it's it's you know we all know it's weird it's like last year i had a moment where i realized that oh wow on this particular day i've been doing comedy more days of my life than i haven't been doing it you know how was it when you were growing up in comedy? Like you started in fourteen, right? And then how did mm -hmm. it? How was it? How did you get started for people that don't know about you? And how was it going through the different stages of like adolescence, getting your first weed drug, or like getting your first bird, uh, doing all these common things that we all do, a lot of us do before we start comedy, right? Hmm. So I guess it's um is weird thing to look back on. So. I don't know if I noticed it as hard, right? For me, I really like doing what I, what I was doing. So when I started, I started in school, you know, and I started because um, my teacher, she just so happened to ask who in the class had, a, you know, a talent. I never tried stand up before, but something in my mind was like, you know, go tell jokes. So I raised my hand, Ms. Richardson let me go up and I did five to 10, right? And I still remember the eight people that were in the class for that. And I liked it. I liked it a lot as soon as I did it. And she would give me three days a week to do it. And this is back before I was writing jokes down on paper and all that. So I um I would go on, I would go on. Then I started doing talent shows, right? Then I started noticing, okay, Ms. Richardson is giving me more time, but I'm forgetting like the joke that I thought of early in the day is not sticking with me to the end of the day when I got a performance. So I started writing, you know, and then talent shows started happening. So it became three times a week in school, then a talent show once a month, right? Then it became that plus a show that me and my friend would do during lunch. And that was what? Once a month, right? And then that's September through April. Then in April, that Easter of 2008, my teacher, same one, she was like, hey, have you ever done an open mic night? I was like, what is that, right? Because I used to watch all the, you know, all my heroes, all the specials and all that. And she was like, you know, you go to a comedy club and see you and if you're good, you know, they'll probably bring you back. I said, okay. So I went around to the Children's Aid Society where I was living and I went, I looked it up. It said High Comedy Club on Tuesday, right? So I go down to the high, do my spot. I'm number 22. And I bombed for the first time, right? I wasn't used to that because I had never, I had never done a set 
where I got this before to where it was nothing really leading up. And then at the end, my closer just got one of these. It got ha, right? And I was like, okay, it will never be that bad again. And boom, 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 boom. And from there, started out as a 14-year-old kid who only just liked telling jokes, you know what I'm saying? And I promised myself that, if nothing else, I would be dope at telling jokes. Like, as dope as anybody that, like, you know, I started with or started around. And here I am today. And on all the principles that I set for myself back then, I've stuck to all of those I haven't done anything I'm not proud of and I'm a you know I feel like a damn good comedian you know so for all that I'm proud and how how did it um how did it what was the stage where you feel like you're comfortable at it I mean not oh man um where I felt comfortable it depends on what you mean by comfortable because if you mean comfortable as in felt like I was good at my job as yeah. soon as um, as soon as I started hearing the effect, right? So I'm one of those people that, in the time I came up, you had to show your worth, right? Because because I because because I was young, you knew folks were going to be like, oh well, it can't be but all this, it can't be but all that. So my goal was always to get as many laughs as whoever you know was before or after, right? And I did that. I never missed a day. You know, I would go to school then chill out for a little while after school with my friends, then I'm going to the shows, right? I'm going to my open mics. After open mics, I'm going to this room. I'm going to this club and I'm getting on. Whatever I was going through in life, whether it was the house, whether it was the girlfriends or whatever at the time, I did that. And then I went back to my clubs, my shows, all that, you know? So for me, it's, yeah, it's, Definitely fair to say I grew up in common. Like I was five nine when I started. I'm six three now. You get what I mean? Like really grew up in this room. And what was the so you mentioned a bit like some people like, mate, he's a bit younger than me. I don't think he's got any stuff. He's just a little kid. You got a bit of that stuff, mm-hmm. but how much or was it like? Oh, look at him. He's a little 14-year-old kid. Let's help him out. Um, You want to know what's funny is that New York's like scene at that time wasn't really wasn't really that. So it wasn't as much, or at least I didn't get as much of, oh, let me help him out. I didn't get too many people to want to stand in my way, but I was never there. I, I got the honesty, right? So I remember there were some folks that were like, oh, you won't be here in two weeks. You won't be here in three years. You won't be blah, 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 right? Then I had most folks that were just cool. You know what I mean? They were themselves because they were just starting. You know what I mean? And But see, the one thing about me was that even back then, you weren't going to play with me. Like, if you if I didn't think you were, like, hilarious or anything like that, you weren't about to tell me how bad I was or something like that. So, you know, I didn't really go for that even back then. You know, I'm raised in Harlem, so oh, <laughs> we have we have a thing about us where it's like it's all respect as long as you don't disrespect, right? So most people were cool. Was it all? Oh, look at him, he's 14. It was that, but more so after I proved it because I I always proved it. Like 
it's not the age. I really do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really do this. I really work hard to get these things crafted. I really work hard to go back and make sure that, all right, these minutes are tight. These minutes are tight, you know. It, that's quite interesting then. Like, what was the, with people in school, I'm pretty sure you've had this before, but how was it? Like, were people very different? Like, you had all the ladies saying, oh my God, Nico is a comedian. And then did yeah, you get- I, I wish. I, w- I wish it was like that. That would be nice. Um, no, I went to school. Um, I went to school in the Bronx, so it was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I definitely got away with saying more, and like my windows with girls were able to go a little farther than most people. You know what I'm saying? Because I was given that leeway, right? I get a little closer. They like talking to me and all that, but I can't say that I was ever just killing it like that, even in school. I had. <laughs> three girlfriends that were in my high school. And then outside of that, I had like maybe six that I would play around with, but I can't say I was murdering it like that because I was a stand-up. No, you know, it was, they were, they weren't coming here for the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're going to put as a sign? Like in any dating sign? Right. Yeah. Come here for maybe. the jokes, madam. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the women were concerned, there was definitely some attention that I did get because I was a comedian. It just didn't happen in school because to people I went to school with, it's like, they know me. They happy for it and all that, but everybody that was in my class. Is, is that a thing in certain parts of New York, they're very sort of um, very boisterous, like very sort of, you know, what they say, the stereotype of New York is being quite loud. In London, we're quite miserable. Like is is it? Because I um, don't don't sleep on a New Yorker's misery. You know, um, I was I would say I think it's more of a mix of things. And a lot of times the people that talk about New York are people that aren't from here, right? And the people that they're talking about, and even the experiences they had were with people that weren't from here. You know, okay. sometimes sometimes my city gets colored by people that moved here from another place. And they're assholes, right? Not to say that we aren't our own particular thing, but New York is a passionate dog. You gotta understand, we live in a we we do live in a concrete jungle, right? And we all just trying to enjoy the trees. That's all we trying to do. We all just trying to enjoy. So it's not even about being boisterous. It's just that you know, it's an honest it's an honest city. People pay good money to live here and all that stuff. You know, so when they go out and they want to enjoy a thing, they want to enjoy it. When people are going out to chase a thing, they know what they got to do to keep everything around them up and around them. So they get a little antsy sometimes, but, you know, yeah. But boisterous, no. Uh, Expressive, definite. Effectively, you're saying that New Yorkers don't tolerate bullshit. I'm saying New Yorkers are misunderstood and we like to avoid BS. (laughs) people people don't like to let us avoid bs and most times those people aren't from me okay and um so so one of the things i want to say so what was you see like of a ufc fighter and a lot of boxers they work their butt off they train maybe 20 hours a day like morning evening afternoon like yeah how hard has it been for you to, when you were starting 14, to get where you are now? And how much work have you had to put in in terms of 
geeking, oh, man. preparing jokes. It's um, it's all in how you look at it, right? So as far as the work to get where I am, man, work for all of that, right? Wasn't someone that was um, how do I put this? I had to earn every day. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have a manager. I didn't have the agent. You know what I mean? So it was all little young me going in and busting down these things. And what the way I proved it was always in my set, right? My set was the proof to where, because, you know, like you do, like I said earlier, you had some people that would want to underestimate me because of my age back then, right? Oh, it can't be but this, or oh, it's only because he's young. It's like, nah, do this. I train hard every year since the time I started I've been clocking in at least back when I was just getting on stage right just getting on stage I was getting on at least 500 times in a year right at least right now that's like just going up to different open mics and you can do like three in a day blah 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 every single day right I've kept some type of pace like that for the whole time you know what I'm saying? We talking about 14 years now, 15 years of September. So I sharpened this blade. You know what I mean? I sharpened this blade. And I do that because I really do love this thing that we do. I love being able to put something together that can make somebody's day better, make them think about something a little different. I really love that. I get excited for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What what did you find like to be the biggest sort of learning experience in it? Because a lot of comics, when they develop in the UK, they talk about gigging a lot for mirth control and traveling to gigs across the country and having car journeys with comedians that have been going for years and years more than them. They talk about that being one of the biggest things that have gotten them to where they are now. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things that have gotten me to where I am now. It's um, the things the things that you see. You know what I mean? I'm a product of my experiences. So I've seen a good amount. And from what I've seen, I promised myself I would live a life that I wanted to live. You know what I'm saying? Do, did something, do some, find and do something that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? It's a little different from what, you know, what others might want to do. And I really do feel like I found my thing. And I'm proud of the thing that I found. You know what I'm saying? Because I understand the things that went into building this thing. You know, like, how do I put it? In 2020, I put out a special in December, right? It was called Dark Out. And the way we did Dark Out was there's just me. There's no audience, right? And I went in there and I did my material, right? just to a bunch of cameras that were in the room with me. And I felt really good about that special. I feel really good about that product, right? And the reason I feel good about it is because I really feel like the jokes are good. And I feel like they translate in the weight of what I'm trying to say translates, even though there's not a crowd there for me to feed off of. There's just me and a couple cameras. And it's like, it might not have gotten the views that I wanted it to get, right? But everybody that saw it really felt a way about it. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm going for. I was always brought up, comedically anyway, to appreciate the effect and always go for the effect. The effect being, 
you know, if it's a live show, the laugh, how big it is, how big is the reaction that you bring out of these people. So I always wanted to stay true to that. You know what I mean? My heroes are my heroes. So when I put something that I feel like, you know, when I put something out that I want to have out, I want people to see it and go, okay, this is dope. That project I thought was really dope. And that only comes from the building that I was able to do from the time I was 14, 15, and 16. Because back then, and this is something that I had even forgot, but there was a place called Laugh Lounge, right? A little club that was down on the Lower East Side. And I would go up there a lot. And whenever they didn't have a show, I would write my jokes in my school books. And if they didn't have a show on Mondays and there was nobody downstairs where the showroom was, Delilah would make peach cobbler. So I would stay for the peach cobbler shit. I'm 14. I ain't got really nowhere to be on a Monday night at 10. So while the stage was on and if the microphone was on, I would go downstairs and just try my bits. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to always make sure I had time. So if I was ever picked, you know, you know, you hang out at the club, see if you get on. I wanted to make sure that if I was picked, I could always do a new set, right? And that's how I would work out. When I come when I come home, I used to have a speaker in here with a um, mic microphone attached to it, just working out the jokes. You know what I mean? Like I really do that. When it comes to when it comes to the um, putting the pen to paper, really caring about how the audience goes with you on this journey, trying to always bring it back at the end. I care about those parts of it. You know what I'm saying? I take, you know, I take that part of it serious. So to be able to put something out that I feel like shows that was dope. And all of that comes from the training that I had from back then. So you, would you say you're a bit like you follow Joe Rogan's with your jokes? No. And the way you, well, no, I'm, I follow, um, I, I follow more um, the stories I've heard, you know, of people like, a Cat Williams, um, somebody like a Donnell Rollins, who was the first like veteran comedian, especially for me at the time, to silently show me the ropes. You know what I mean? He was somebody that I saw as a, you know, he was definitely older than me, but like would come fresh off a plane, be dead tired and have more energy than everybody. You know what I'm saying? And go on stage and make sure he gave his crowd everything. And then because he would headline the spot called Caroline's a lot, right? I realized in school that, okay, a repeat audience, you're gonna have to change your set, right? I would see this dude come back in the same club three times in a year and try to have something like a new set. You get what I mean? So like that instilled something in me like, okay, so for my audience, I'm gonna make sure that I'm always trying to flip something out to get something new in just in case somebody, you know, is coming to see me a second time or maybe a third time, stuff like that. I played interviews from comics like Steve Harvey so many times. I played the stories of people like Bernie Mac so many times. Listen to, you know, they're not documentaries, but they're like interviews and stuff like that. Red Fox, um, Pryor, all those guys. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's, and you always be reminded them. You always, so you don't forget of what you're working towards. Hmm. With that and um, you know, as a, as a kid, I was real imaginative, you know. So I w wanted to be a wrestler before I did comedy. So 
it it wasn't anything for me to dream big you know what i'm saying you don't come into a thing to be small at it you know and being in this thing being able to see what i've seen so far it's like now you stay what's that line the game ain't easy but it's fair you know what i mean like you're gonna take your time but when you get your chance you rock your chance it usually can go the way it's supposed to just wait on your shot try not to be too impatient even though patience could get on your nerves but it's a bit like yeah it's a bit like sometimes i hear with this is not hitting on anyone or hating or anything like that but with people who have built a big online following and they've only been doing it for a few years and they start touring and i hear stories about them not doing anywhere near as well as they should have done it's a bit like um at least as you say because you're putting all the groundwork in whatever happens you're prepared for it rather than if someone's gotten too quickly they ain't going to be prepared for it and, and right now who's to say you know anyone gets anything too quickly you you only have your time right you're gonna live you're gonna die you only have your time yeah. so who, whoever um just gets it if you one of those people that get it and you start touring and all that stuff and it ain't going well hey that's just one of those things where you got to come back and you got to get better and you will or you won't right but if you won't you're probably gonna stop touring because people are gonna start stop spending their money so I don't um I don't think about them as much as I think about you know when it comes to this how how's, there's a famous rap line just make sure you a dope rhyme say right make sure you're a dope rhyme say so like when it comes to that show just make sure you're on point because there's levels to everything but at your level just make sure you as most on point as you can be right and for me just trying to make sure that I have no lack of confidence on the stand-up side of this stuff. You know, as we all learn the business, because even they have to learn the business, we playing stand-ups got to learn the business, but you're going to take your lump somewhere. So if you're getting it and the getting's good, and the one thing you got to get better at is the stage work, then you better get better at that. Because that's the best part. Do, do, you, do you treat it, um, do you know of Dave Brailsford? He's a British cycling supremo who focused on a thing called marginal gains. And he turned the British cycling team from being a laughing stock into the biggest and most successful sort of cycling team of all time. And he, what he focused on was focusing on, a, rather than like, he just says, give me that 1% more. So focus on building on little things here and there each time. And it gradually it builds up into something big. Yeah, 100. I agree with that. Because I, I think, um again this is one of those things where for me and for folks that are like me you start something and you don't really know anything about it you start it because you love it right and you keep to that i think for anybody that because like you said earlier this is going out to people that might be inspired um if you're inspired by anything i said that means that you might be you know in my archetype so to you and to you alone i would say understand what success means to you right because success is on a sliding scale depending on who you're talking to some people might think being successful is just being able to pay their bills some people might think being successful is being recognized on the street some people might be might think being successful is only being able to be the most famous whatever right each of those things are true depending on the perspective of the person that you're talking to so once you make your decision about what success is 
go for that. Now, if you're like me, I'm somebody that always wanted to be super dope, right? And just as dope as whoever you can compare me to. Those are the things I work on. So I try to make sure when you see me, I'm as strong as I can be for you, right? Work on your product. Work on your product. And if you got good product, when it's time to show people the product and you're proud of it and you feel like it's sharp, slice. You've been sharpening that sword for a reason. So, you know, to anybody that's in that archetype, that's that's my answer on that. It also sounds like one of those mafia stories when they were younger, where the guy kills his family, but then he comes back, like in The Godfather 2, and he gets his yeah. revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all people, especially like, you know, stand-ups, all we ever want to do is show you the best that we got for you. You know what I'm saying? Hopefully get the best feeling out of you. So, you know, do, do your work, whatever your work is. Because for me, like, I remember I had to slow down on stage. You know what I mean? I still feel like I talk fast, but I had to slow down on stage. I have, um, what you call it? I remember when I was younger, I would have to find my medium, right? Because all the comedians that I liked the most was so high energy, like running across the stage and all that, right? I remember I would run across the stage and all that. And you have to sometimes go that hard to figure out where you are on that spectrum, right? Because some people might be a one they might stand completely still only and just deliver jokes and you got some people that might be a 10 they might be flying up from the raptors and all that stuff both of those things are great or you might be somewhere in the middle you might be one of the people that can do what the person at 10 does and what the person at the one does but you gotta play around in order to find that take blue and yellow mix them together and see if you can make green and see see what you are see what you are yeah and one of the things so everyone a lot of people always say that new york was the is the capital of comedy it's like where where stand-up sort of originated from what do you think makes new york such a unique comedy city as opposed to many other cities across the u.s or any other place you visit outside the u.s um one of the things about new york is that it's um you're going to get a little bit of everything here right it's really a melting pot and depending on what you're looking for you can find everything that you're looking for so when i when i've been to the south and all that stuff right they had their rooms and they and they got a banging scene right now like shout outs to the south shout outs to atlanta shout outs to texas and they have new energy and all that stuff right with new york you're going to get an amount of stage time and training that might shock you right even like you could get up a good amount even now you know what i mean i'm talking about after the biggest crisis ever right if you were looking for it you could find it there were people that were definitely getting up 30 times in a month even during the craziness really you understand what i'm saying so like there's more opportunity for you to come and sharpen your sword here yeah now, the thing about it is, I'm not sure how many comics are actually from New York now versus people that came from other places to be in New York. I feel like the number of comedians actually homegrown New Yorkers has went down a little bit because last couple of years, we got a lot of folks from a lot of places that moved up, right? But the one thing about the scene is that you're going to get your experience. Your EXP points are going to go way up. 
because you can get up a hell of a lot if you're trying to, right? You're going to be forced to be around every type of comedian while you're here. And well, actually, that's if you're looking for it. It's really all in what you're looking for. If you're a fan of comedy, you can find every flavor here. If you're a comedian, you can find any type of battleground here for you to test your skills. And you're going to find more battlegrounds here than you'll find anywhere, you know. But that's just because of abundance. What what sort of, like, tell us a bit about, for someone that doesn't know about it, what, like, the battlegrounds? Like, you got, I hear you got the Latin comedy scene. You got the uh, black comedy circuit. You got the mainstream mm -hmm. circuit. And then there's there's a couple of other sort of circuits as well, isn't there? Well, you you got the art, you got the you know you got the indie, you have the um, storytelling, you have you have the improv scene that 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 one definitely took a hit, you know. Um, but yeah, there's so many. Like for example, you can go and do a room like the oh my god, what's the name of the joint? Like the shrine up here in Harlem, right? Now, the Shrine is a, you know, little bar up in the, you know, dope little area in Harlem. And you can get one crowd that's going to be 100% there, right? They came for that. Then you're going to have some times where the, half the crowd came for comedy, the other half just so happened to be there for brunch and the music show that's going to be coming in a little after, right? You got to get them, you got to get them off to where you are. You got to bring them in, right? Then you leave that place and you go to a place where it's set up for you to do stand-up. It's a like, you know, it's a comedy designated space. And you have security and all that. Then you have a space where it's like, nah, this is somebody's apartment and anything can happen. You know what I mean? You get all those extremes in one night. You have to know how to master those how to master those extremes. And even if you ain't mastering it, how to be able to be effective in those extremes. Then you can leave here, go up, go out, you can go to Jersey, you can go to upstate New York, you can go out to PA, you can go out to Delaware. Like you can make your rounds from here very easy and still get back. And then when you get back, you could probably get up on stage one more time. Okay. You know, yeah. there's sometimes where you can start getting on stage at five o'clock in the afternoon and not stop until like two in the morning. When I was there, I saw that you could maybe do a, a, 10 gigs in one day. Would you say that you yeah. could do even more? <laughs> if you, Yeah, if you tried, I think Aaron Berg did like, shit, the Aaron Berg, they do 14 or 15, something crazy like that. Well, it's... Um... With a yeah, it's a common trope, isn't it? With a lot of American comics that they master the scene in a small city and then they go to New York or LA. And well, you know, rumor has it here that um, you come here to oh, uh, uh, let me confirm this spot right quick. Hold on one second. Give me one second, Doc. No worries. I'm calling. Uh, it's funny. I'm calling Gotham Comedy Club live with. Okay. <laughs> hey, this is Nico. I'm just calling to confirm my spot. 
No problem. See you tonight. Bye bye. Cool. <laughs> <sighs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> so, um, so what I was saying, remind me where we were. I was saying about how um, New York, see, and and LA as well, but it seems to be like a melting pot of comedians from smaller yes. cities. Yes, a hundred percent, man. So you know, you got everybody has the legend that they heard about everybody that left their city and came from New York. You know what I'm saying? If you're from Philly, Kevin Hart. If you're from Chicago, Hannibal. Like so many came up here, got their got their blade sharp, and then branched out after that. And we got some folks that come up here in the last couple of years and definitely have done their thing, dog. Like for real, for real. You know, Chicago has sent over some beasts. VA has sent over some beasts. Texas. So yeah, you come up here and if you do your training right and then you get your shot, you know, show the muscle. Yeah. And and there's also like Pete Davidson. He he good. The he, homie. <laughs> Straight boom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's class. That's class eleven. That's my guy. Fuck yeah. It's what what's what would you say is the pluses and minuses of starting outside of new york and what, what what's the comparisons um, like for for you like pete you guys started in new york grew to there mm-hmm. and and what would you say it's like for someone who's gone from another city into new york well it's um when you come from another city into new york uh like you hear you're gonna restart right so that might be the case for most people when you leave to go anywhere where you restart a little bit right and the just for new york comedians in general most of us are nice people you know what i'm saying at least in my experience anyway most of the communities i've met that are actual new yorkers are pretty nice people um we get this again we get this weird rap sometimes but like damn near all the comedians i know the new york born bred and raised decent humans you know most of them um as far as when you start here you get to train a lot you know what i'm saying like Pete got to get up on stage a lot you know what I mean? He got to be around and he got to see and he got to learn. He got to soak up some game a lot, right? When you come from another place, it might not be possible for you to get up 10 times in a week. That might literally be logistically impossible, especially if you're not by a really, you know, populated city where they have venues and stuff like that. So you come here and if you were good where you are, right and you were good and mind you you were good and you were only doing five shows a month you come up here and now you're doing 40 or you get up on stage 40 you might not be doing shows but you get up on stage 40 well that's 40 push-ups versus four and then that's the difference you know what i mean because you get into practice you get in the train you put you putting you putting it down you're working towards your hours. So, and then mind you, there's some people in other places, because you got to remember things move on, things evolve, things change. You got other scenes where it's like, nah, Atlanta is doing its thing right at home from Atlanta. You know what I mean? And that, that already encompasses like New York has its tri-state area. Atlanta has, you know, the South, Texas has the South. And then they come up here to show their stuff. And I'll say this, when we go out there and we go uh, when we go south and we go west, usually they show love too because we're from, you know, we're from New York. So it's um it's pretty it's pretty dope all around. 
the parts that are hmm, the parts that are like you know whatever are the parts that are out of your control but as far as what you control like the type of human the type of human being that you are the type of person that you are when you're around people um how hard you want to work on whatever it is that you're working on whether it be a jokes your personality or what have you and the locations that you're in you have a lot of fun if you're looking to have fun or you can be completely miserable if you're looking to be completely miserable it's all there for you we got we got whatever you need <laughs> so basically whatever you are that's what you're going to get in new york it will show you who you are oh and it's going to show it's going to show you where you are and make you pay ridiculous amounts of money for shit that you, for shit and circumstances that you feel like you better than oh yeah okay so if you're billy big bollocks and you're going about right new york i'm going to conquer you you're going to be my beast i'm a new comic here what are you going to face <laughs> um you gonna you gonna face what you would have faced anywhere right and <laughs> which i no, but for real because it's like i really do believe that jay-z line of man you are who you are for you got here right you're going to be yourself multiplied by whatever new york hits you with and you're going to be yourself multiplied by whatever Texas hits you with, whatever London hits you with. You're going to be yourself, right? You can't avoid circumstance and nobody's absolved to the process. Whatever you go through is your process. How do you handle it? Some people, they go through how they go through. Others go through things their way, but you're going to go through something. And if you really do this, you have to understand that your best and worst moments are going to happen. And then you got to go make people laugh. I'd have been there already. I had happened. I'd have seen stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Whatever happened that would make me cry, make me sad. That night, I had to go out and make somebody else smile. What's 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 kind of the funny thing that you often get from stage when you either do well or do you do bad? What's what, what kind of reactions you normally get? Um. What what when you say that, what do you mean exactly? Like the so thing that I take away from it, or like what's the average? What what do the how do people sort of respond to you when they come and have a chat with you after the gig? Oh man. Um, okay, so usually it's uh man, you're you're really dope and I like you need a Netflix special or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That's usually how it goes these days. And then back then it was always, you know man how can we follow you like that type of stuff you know what i'm saying and or they tell me about being smart or they like a bit it's mostly that and with has so when you sort of started in new york has the comedy style changed or has the how has the scene changed since you started um it's a loaded question um a lot has changed in ways, a lot hasn't changed in ways. This is gonna be a 40 minute tangent. So the scene that I came up in, there's certain things that I was used to, right? For example, I was used to certain things making sense. Things like effect mattered a lot, right? In fact, this is the one thing that mattered the most. You had to be effective. Now, what I mean by effective is you had to be getting the job and you had to be getting, you know, the laughs and whatnot, right? That was prompt. That was like, that mattered the most. And 
you always taught that you had to prove it. Like you can feel however you want to feel about yourself, but you got to do it on stage, right? And the standard was a little longer than what the standard is now. Like I remember when we were doing open mics, you had to have five minutes, right? And then I remember I was about six, seven years in. And by that time, I'd already been, I, I was already a, you know, a pro act, right? But I'm looking, you know, because you, you do when you do it in the shows and whatnot, the thing that you accomplished was like, you know how in the video game, once you get to one level, you can play the other levels, right? So once you got to a certain point, you can go back and like go do the open mics and stuff like that. So it will work out for me because at the time, you know, I never had no day job. So I can go five o'clock, get the writing my stuff during the day, setting up my schedule and all that. Then 3.30, go out, hit the cafe, go hang with whoever I'm going to hang with. Then I'm going to go try it out this new bit. Then I'm going to go get up, do my shows. Then I'm going to go back to living life and then come back and maybe get a couple more sets in, right? So I would go to the open mic to get the sets and I would see the new guys and they would have, like, it was three minutes now. And I would feel like, oh, man, I'm like, three minutes. You can't hold, you can't hold it down for five, right? But again, things change, right? The industry, right? And stuff like that. I was used to seeing more like showcases than what we see nowadays. You know what I mean? I was used to seeing, um, I'm definitely, I used to be more used to seeing more black comedians on lineups together than I see now. You know what I mean? Like, oh. it's like, I don't know who told people to start booking us like breeds of dogs or some shit. But it's like, no, nah, because it's like we we all talk about it when we see each other. Like, can we can we see a lineup where it's you know three of us to one of our counterparts as opposed to the opposite that we feel like we're seeing all the time? So we're all on the same circuit and we'll not be on stage with each other for a year. You know, now we're gonna give twenty twenty um a caveat because <laughs> it didn't really exist. But yeah. But outside of that, I've seen the scene grow. I'll say that. I've seen it grow a lot, you know. And when I say grow, I don't just mean, like, get bigger. I've seen the scene try to get a little bit wiser and try to make itself better about certain things, you know. And I just hope to see that. I hope to see more camaraderie. And I hope that, you know, yeah, I hope we can all work together a little bit better than we did before and I hope that we can get down to because we're New York I hope we can all get together and get things to make sense at every level for the stand-ups you know if that means a union or something fine if that means you know getting every place to agree to pay at least a certain amount fine but outside of that I've seen New York, I've seen New York scene adapt amazingly. You know what I mean? When everybody counted it out. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, oh, the New York scene is dead. Nah, bitch, you died. We were so alive, dog. We were so alive in a time where it was hard to feel anything. You know what I mean? Everybody got super creative and got creative before a lot of the rest of the country had the chance to be. You know, in 2020, I seen like it go down over here 
And within two weeks, people found a way to still make a circuit. Yeah, I saw that there was a lot of you guys doing gigs in parks and like different, like all over makeshift parks, rooftops, bro. Like, so you ever play? You ever played the first Spider-Man for PlayStation One? No. Oh yes, I played the second one. Did you play the second one, right? So the the second one was was some new shit because you was able to touch the ground. The old Spider-Man game where you couldn't touch the ground and you only had to be on the roofs. Like we was on rooftops, man. I'm afraid of heights, like eight stories up, scared to death, but that's what we did. Like you've seen a lot of people have some real different ingenuity throughout that time, you know? And again, knowing what the scene has produced and knowing how it's helped people that have come from other places to come up here and the type of sharp it made them, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. I've got... I've got some questions to ask that are very touristy, but yeah, um, please, bro. in terms of I'm, comedy. I'm uh, all yours. That's what she said. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um what what um so in the in the UK they started comedy clubs in a lot of folk clubs. That's where a lot of comedy clubs started. how did uh, comedy actually start in New York? And what would you say the kind of um what the kind of how do you adjust yourself to the different rooms you will face okay so um how did comedy club start in new york man you know what and usually i'm i'm great on my um comedy history i can't say that i know exactly how comedy clubs started in europe right i can't say that i know exactly but from what i was told you know, back in the day, they had like the jazz clubs and all that and comedy, like have a night most places, right? But then it started getting bigger and they started opening comedy clubs, places designated just for comedy. And the oldest one that I can think of right now in the city since Dangerfield's closed, got rest, got rest of, um, you know, the soul of the club and of Rodney Dangerfield. But you had the rooms, you know what I'm saying? You had the urban rooms, you had like the little nightclubs and stuff where people would go and do. You got the theaters over here, like the Apollo and stuff like that. But then the comedy clubs like Comic Strip um, and all the other ones, every club has its own different process, right? Like Comic Strip has its way that it passed its comedians. The Comedy Cellar has its way. Um, Catch Your Eyes and Star, all those older spots, right? And it's even spots older than that because you got, the lower east side in the village you got places like um is it the bitter end cafe wa all those little places down there in the village were like comedy go-tos for like lenny bruce joan rivers prior goat you know so as far as the comedy clubs are concerned for you as a comedian you gotta remember every every spot you go to is a living room right and you want to be as welcome as you can be, right? So you got to appease the people that are in front of you. That's the audience. And you have a spot where you have a spot where if you want to try stand up, you have to know that your thing can work everywhere, right? And you can try to adjust to a room or you could try to make your thing resonate. Now, for me, 
with the comedians that I appreciated the most, they did their thing, their way everywhere. So I always tried to make sure I was one of those and I could do my thing my way everywhere. So I didn't really try to tweak it for a type of room, if that makes sense. Because I started in the Black rooms and the what they would call like the mainstream open mics. That's where I got my start. So I was used to not changing up the way that I talked or anything like that. Now, when it's time to adapt, try to adapt appropriately. But I think the sharpest person is the person that could do it their way everywhere. You know, now that's just something that I appreciate more. Now you might appreciate something different, but that part is subjective. But for me, I think um, the dopest people are the people who don't have to change anything. They can survive, their ship can sail in all water. Who who are sort of like the dopest people in the New York scene that will say like original creative? And also who are like comedy legends? Like in the UK, we've got people like Earl Oaken, who's been going for maybe 60 years. We've got mm. an Otis Cannelloni. Um, we've got all sorts of legends on in the UK. Who are like legends in New York and who are like really creative comics that you admire on the circuit that aren't well known? Okay, I got you. So, man, it's it's always it's always a lot. Like, I get anxiety when I'm asked like list questions because I, you know you're gonna miss people, right? Um, as far as the legends that we have here in New York, that list is numerous, bro. Really, really is. Um, no, but like for real, it, it, it's really crazy. Um, I, I don't I don't even want to go there because I, I don't want to miss anyone because it starts it starts to tie up. It's like the goat goats, you know what I mean? We have Chappelle stops into the city every so often. You get what I'm saying? Like same with um Chris Rock, but I don't know. I appreciate the folks like Greer Barnes very much. You know what I'm saying? You have folks like Godfrey that we all appreciate very, very much. Um as far as the people that are really creative, though, off the scene, man, Jermaine Fowler, you know what I'm saying? He's one younger dude, but that whole crew, like him, Kevin Barnett, all those guys, when I was a young comic on this scene, Jermaine was like at the spot level, it's like comic strip, right? And to see that go from Friends of the People and the other things to like, coming to America too, you know what I'm saying? And knowing that story, like I mentioned, like Greer Barnes, Godfrey, those are comedians that we all really appreciate. And again, when it comes to like the legends, legends, I really want to get into because I'm gonna forget a lot of people. As far as people I appreciate, you got dudes like Jermaine Fowler, who again, somebody I thought was really, really dope. And then like to see that go from friends of the people to the late night appearance to what you call it um coming to america too inspiring pete from um this scene knowing the you know being able to see that story and then to see that go from the stand-up to the roast to snl to the special you know what I'm saying, to the tours, like, and then the dopest thing that, you know, I think man deserves a lot of credit for, put out a movie with so much young New York talent in it. 
You know what I'm saying? And a not to lie to OGs on the New York scene. You know what I mean? Especially the scene that he came up in. So to see stuff like that was really dope. To see um to see how people like oh my god, what's homie's name? To see what Schultz has been able to do with it. Guys like Damian Lemon, they've come up. Vlad. Uh now to the ones that I create that might not be as known yet. I love comics like Phil Hunt's one of my favorites. Never sleep on Eagle Wit. Never sleep on Alex Babbitt. Never sleep on Andre Thompson. Never sleep on Amina Amani. Never sleep on Reggie Conquest. Never sleep on Jody Robinson. Never sleep on nigga. There's so many fucking comedians, man, that I could say this about, you know. And that's the dope thing about the scene is that you really should come out here and get a look because all the people that you think you're looking for all the next whoever's really are right here like those folks are out here and they're working well oh, what? and definitely never never sleep on me Whew. of course <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's really so many and like, as soon as I get off with you, I'm gonna be pissed at myself for forgetting like 35 people. How, what's the, so Pete Davidson, he's your homie and like you you started with him. I hear, like what's the biggest misconception that they have on like him and his, on, let me rephrase this, let me have a think. What's the biggest thing that people say when they when they say about Pete Davidson? Because he he got famous quite. He, he's he's really sort of. What's the would you say is the biggest misconception with you rubbing shoulders with comedians from the bottom to the very top that people often have? I would, you know, it's funny. I wouldn't say um, I wouldn't say that I get to hear any of those. You know what I'm saying? It usually, it, swear to God, it usually don't come up that much, but. Dope dude, great heart, and took it took took care of his family. You know what I mean? Like, just on some man shit. First first person that like, you know, from the class that I came up around. You know, that was young, like babies out here. Respect that first and foremost. It's yeah, it's it's it, a lot of I I see it a lot of the time as well in the UK as well. It's like you got to, whenever someone you know does well it's a very good thing it just shows shows that you can do it as well it's never about yeah thing. uh dog a hundred percent and again the part the part of all that is it's people are good yeah you know i'm saying off of the dream that's fire like that's super fire I don't know what that means. What, what what that means? <laughs> that fire. <laughs> oh, that's fire. You don't know what that means? No. <laughs> oh, that's slang for that's good. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> what kind of what's the slang over there in the UK? <laughs> oh, you want to know some slang? Okay. Um, well, it depends on what group you're in, but I can say that is what other people would say they'll say that is um that is sick or that is that's it okay we say that over here too okay they say that is um that is height peak peak oh peak so look 
being being able to take care of your own and being able to take care of them well off of a thing that you started when you were 16 that's peak family that's peak and should be respected at a peak <laughs> level because to take to take care of your own and to be able to take care of your own off of something that you started as a like for real as a child that's peak and that should be respected out of anyone correct yeah, there's nothing better, is there? That's all I'm saying. If you can't, if you can't look at that and salute that and respect that, I, I mean, it's one of the things that is a bit of. Um, you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, and like it's we got to admire and we got to look up to a lot of people that go on. But there's there, there always seems to be occasionally there seems to be a bit of a divide. Like there's a lot of tribalism in comedy, like in comedy clubs, in acts. That's one of the things. And we had a chat earlier in terms of like artists being paid and promoters, and it's almost sometimes like there's a big war between different parties. Well, I I hope that the, I hope there's not a war because um, there's no fight as far as the comedian is concerned. You know what I mean? We aren't fighting anyone. We're the people that are being picked at most of the time when all we ever want is to be treated fair. For example, for me, the as long as our door deals are right and we able to get some health care out this mug and be paid at a rate that makes sense, I think we good. And we don't ask for a lot. And when things go down, we're always there. If there's a GoFundMe that need to be filled up when when things go down, we fill it up. Comedians do, even with all the BS that we go through. You know what I'm saying? We all go through the BS because we all are in this, right? And we're all conditioned to think that we fighting each other. And for folks that look alike or a part of the same genre, sometimes they make you feel like it can only be one, it can only be two. Even though we all know from hanging around each other and coming up around each other that. We all in this together, but separate. It's an odd and particular thing, right? That we all seem to understand person to person. But when you add in the other factors, it makes it, you know, it makes it hard, it makes it confusing because you're navigating their ground, right? Um, but at the end of it all, as long as we, if we can appreciate each other a little bit more and understand we don't have to fight, like just, like I said earlier, be a dope rhyme sayer. Fight for that. Fight, fight, fight over who could be the best at making this crowd laugh the most. You know yeah, what I mean. But outside of that, just live and let live. And following on from that, what would you say has been? Um, I've got three questions on that. Like, what has been Shoot. the worst advice you received in comedy, and what's been the best advice you received in comedy? The worst advice, I swear, I probably can't even, I don't remember it because I stopped thinking about it as soon as they said it. <laughs> swear to God, I promise you that. Promise you that. Um, and then did you say what, what's the best advice I ever received? Yeah. Um, the best advice I ever received at comedy was to keep going. That's the best advice I ever received because, you know, starting starting as young as I started, you don't, you don't know. Yeah, you know I mean, you really don't know. You don't know what you're stepping into. 
And I remember there was a point where I accomplished every goal that I had, right? <laughs> and if I went back and told you the goals that I had accomplished, that were all my goals at the time, we both laughed. But I had accomplished all the goals at the time. And I was like, oh, well, I wonder now, if, do I retire, right? At my, you know, elderly age of 16, done everything that I said I wanted to do, should I retire? And, you know, there was, um, somebody went to school with and she was like no because look at how happy this thing makes you right and it was something that was fleeting then right but i legit was like oh well maybe it's you know i did everything i said i was gonna do so you know and then it's like nah but what do you actually want to do with this and it's like oh I do actually want to do a thing with this. So that was the best advice. And then I don't know, man. It's not, I don't know if it's as much advice as it as much advice as it is guidance. Like I appreciate the comics that showed me that I'm gonna have to prove it. Ain't gonna give me nothing. You know, I wasn't given anything. I had to go to the spots and ask for the spots. I had to go to the places and ask, hey, can I be seen? you know, the manager, the agent and all that. I ain't got that. So I had to know that when it was time to show and prove, I have to show and prove, hmm. you know. I, so it was that stuff. I appreciate the comments that helped show me that, you know. And I appreciate the ones that have a, have a positive thing to say. And if ever, you know, they wanted to holler at me, they holler at so I appreciate that. Most of the people were cool. And that's the part that people don't um, say a lot. But most of the comments, at least in my, um, in my time, they were all just fine. Ah, and you see, because people, the, they see, I mean, you see it as a positive, but so many comics, when they get rejection, they're, they're very, a lot of us, it, we don't always see it as a positive. We see it as like, oh, you think I'm shit? You think I'm bad? Right. But you, you can't lie to me. You know what I'm saying? You can't lie to me. I do this. You know what I'm saying? And my confidence when it comes to the stand up side of it is. I really do feel like I'm pulling that feeling out these people. You know what I'm saying? I really, really do. I really, really do. And because I really feel that way, you cannot enjoy it. And that's fine. But I swear I got something that you can enjoy. No matter who you think you are, like, you might not like what you see in a piece, okay? But if you got a type of stuff that you like, like, if you like dark humor, oh, I got five jokes for that. Here you go. You might not like all of me, but I got five for you. And I like to, I like to think that I can do that for most people. I like to think I have something for everybody, right? And because of that you can reject it but i really feel like i'm cooking crack over here with these jokes you know what i'm saying and i know i know with black like i feel it too hard i feel it too hard and i've seen too much not to you know what i mean i've seen too much not to feel that and have gotten too much fulfillment from 
people, places, and things that don't operate in the business of fulfillment to think that I'm crazy. Hmm. Like, you know that you don't. So even the rejection, in my, in, my, in my experience so far, my set had to be the proof, right? And that's what it's been. I could tell you a few stories, but like, I don't want to get too, too specific, but there's been some times where it's like, some things aren't possible without a recommendation, right? And every time that it's been made possible, for me, it's been made possible because of my set and fate. So any artist that's within that dog, just keep working and understand whatever you think is supposed to come immediately might not come immediately. But when it get there and got it, nigga, got it. You got you got to make it like a McDonald's chicken sandwich with chips. Make sure you got the ketchup on the chips and you're ready to dip the chips in. Just be just just be just be ready for you know. I hope I hope you get to dip. I hope you do get to dip the chips, and I hope you get to go back and supersize everything. Of course, <laughs> and get a McFlurry on top of that. <laughs> yeah, then get the hell out McDonald's, boy. <laughs> no. One thing I'll ask, and that is like, what's been the most fucked up thing you've seen on on stage in comedy, and what? How do people find out about Unica? <laughs> um, the most fucked up thing I've seen on stage. Um, I the things that I've seen that I would consider effed up, I've only ever seen off stage. You know, um, <laughs> on stage, like I've seen crazy things. Like I've seen somebody have a seizure you know and we still had to keep the show going i haven't seen you know like a fight break out but no nothing nothing too too wild you know i've seen lady be like you know you tell the, whatever molly she had hit punched her like kicked her like luke kang bro like, <laughs> hit shit out that lady she who she was loopy um but yeah just stuff like that anything that i see that i would legit consider you know like effed up that's only ever happened off stage yeah. what what's the funniest thing that you've seen happen off stage <laughs> off stage yeah oh man i didn't seen i didn't seen like people be talking about the one person that they talking about and that person be right behind them and they not notice and like it, just certain shit like that tickles me i saw um and there was, there was one guy that he was wearing this coat, man, and the jacket was so bad, right? And he got eviscerated so hard for this jacket that not only did he stop wearing the jacket, but I'm sure he quit doing comedy that same day. You understand? Like, it, it's such a harsh thing, but to watch it happen to somebody, like, I don't know if I've ever laughed at Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's like that, that stuff like that, the late diner hangs, you know what I'm saying? Certain drives. It's weird the things that, you know, you remember. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, in, in a good, are they, you're saying it's like a scar. <laughs> mm, I'm saying more so it's like, a, um, nah, it's not, it's not even like a scar. It's more like the things that are dope is about this are the things that are fleeting. Like no matter who you get up with, 
and you a comic as well, you talk about things that have happened already. You know what I'm saying? And how you think things are going to happen. You know, you talking, we talking periods and question marks. So for me, those are the dopest things, like the conversations, the little shit. You know, the, the things that are fucked up is like, yeah, yeah, blah. It is what it is. Not even, not even that. It's just that, like, things that I think are fucked up is like person to person kind of things. Like, don't you know? Be cool with folks. If you're a type of person that interrupts people's energy to be negative, then that's effed up. You know what I mean? That's messed up. Anything else, like somebody saying something crazy, that's just that's just words. Hmm. And but if someone says anything like. Yo, Nico, give me 50 push-ups. you got to pay me a £1,000 to do a gig. What do you say to that? F off or something. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not going to do 50 push-ups to do any gig. I got, especially <laughs> if it's a stand-up gig, I got 50 minutes. Let me, just let me do the minutes. <laughs> well, what's, up, what's all this weirdness? <laughs> how you giving, how you giving me those types of, hey, do, do athlete things to get this comedian show? No. <laughs> you sound stupid. <laughs> I ain't a goddamn athlete. How about how about you do the javelin thing and then you can book me? How about that? This sounds crazy. <laughs> so yeah, um, if they came up to me asking me to do um, 50 push-ups, I would say you overestimate me. And then I would say I respectfully decline. You know, <laughs> I just let me come out and do England like I really want to. And let me get the thousand pounds. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Like let's let's be cool about it. What's all see it's 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 like the thing with the um <laughs> it's like the thing with the um stuff we were talking about earlier about like, you know, potentially getting us get getting pay updated across the board. It's like, yeah, let's just stop playing around. Let's make it let's make it nice for everybody. Hmm. If we can make it nice. And if we can't, then you know, we can't, but don't have people doing fifty push ups, y'all. <laughs> Who do you think you are? 50. Why'd you even ask that? I can't do 50 push-ups. Can you do 50 push-ups? Huh? I, I could probably do maybe five, but... Oh, you could do five, and so you're going to put 50 on me? Huh? Man, you a, you a cold dude. Man, I knew London was gloomy, but I didn't know it got into the people, bro. Oh, believe me, it has. <laughs> I'm just messing. What... There was a second part to that question, right? Yeah, it was going to be on why is London a better city than New York? (laughs) London London is a better city than New York because it is not a better city than New York. But London is definitely a better city than New York will ever be because the people of London are in London. And that is the only reason I would ever go to London and leave my beloved New York City is because I desperately want to see the people in London that I've heard so much about and I haven't yet gotten a chance to experience and it really makes me angry that I haven't because I want to so much. It'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, it, so many comics come over, do a little crossover. So, I mean, again, like, bro, you got to think about it, right? At least for me, there were so many people in London that came to the comedy clubs and that come to the comedy clubs is damn near like it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I, it went, nothing would change. No. That, that's, that's the one thing about like 
throughout the years of 2009 to maybe 2013 to when we had like so many people from other countries just in the clubs to where I was like, well, shit, I want to go to Australia. I want to go to London. I'm legit telling you, like, I really have been wanting to go over to these places for years. Yeah. Yeah. So London, when you hear this, understand Nico been trying to get out there since before Harry Potter. And give him a free air, give him, give him a free airplane ticket. Give me a free airplane ticket, business class, preferably. Uh, give me a free airplane ticket, and you know what? Let me. I just want to play a game of Quidditch, and then you know, and then I'm good. <laughs> then I'm good. I'm good. That's all I want to come do, and then I want to do a couple shows. You know what I mean? We is we legal in London? No, right? No, but I mean it. it it's 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 more or less. Uh, it's legal. decriminalized. It is, it is, it, you're not supposed to do it, but it's, I mean, I smell it everywhere I go, so it's... Got you. Do y'all cops shoot people? No, but we do, um, we do, there is, there is the arresting that sometimes can be a bit iffy. Mm, got you. They like suplexing up there, huh? They're, they're politely, they don't full on sort of do the bullet, but they... <laughs> they got the... Billy Club shit? Yeah, they just whip you around a bit. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, see, that sounds too much like the olden days. Uh, oh, well, but I still got to come out to London. So I would like to do that sooner rather than later. If you know anybody, tell them I'm looking for them. I will. Tell them a very, tell them a very skilled comedian would really like to come to their place and really like to have fun there just for a week. You know, it's London. Why ain't been in London? Um... Now, what, what what else are we talking about? Well, we telling people where to find me. Yes. How do they find out about you? Okay. Now, if this is the end of the interview, then that means that I definitely need to come on this again because we ain't talking about nothing I thought we was going to talk about. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? This went by so fast. So thank you for a great time. You know what I mean? Because again, it really does feel like no time has passed. What's the name of the um what's the name of the show? The Comedian's Paradise. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for listening to my episode of The Comedian's Paradise, because it is truly that. So much time has gone past, and I feel like no time has gone past. When we started, I said, yo, I'm gonna need a water, right? Here we are, and I haven't gotten up for my water, and I had every intention to wait for a break in speaking to say, hey, I'm going to go get a water. So, sir, thank you for providing a very fun platform. You know what I mean? Where it really feels like no time has passed. Um, if you would like to find me, you can find me on Instagram at NicoWhite93. That is at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3. If you're on TikTok, you can find me at NicoWhite93. If you are a fan of comedy, words from my mother, I got something for you. So please give me a look. I have a special on YouTube called Introducing Me. That came out in 2015, back when the young lad was 21. And I'm saying that because the anniversary of that, I believe, is shit, it might be today. It's either today or the fourth, but I think it's today. I think we released on the um on the sixth, because it was a Friday, right? Yeah. So yeah, oh. that happened, and I have another special on YouTube that's called Dark Out. That's my little passion project. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I cut it open on Dark Out. So if you would like to watch something different, please do. 
Um, I would love to hear what you think. And last but certainly not least, fam, go check out a live comedy show, okay? And go out there, whoever you are listening, go and find your favorite comedian because they are out here, all right? My name is Nico White. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate to you, comedians. Paradise.